So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans. I'm Norma Jean, and this is Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 10, and today we're interviewing Rachel Ellery, who's an anatomy educator, body worker, who has experience in osteopathy, sports therapy, and heaps more. So I can't wait to share that with you. I'm also going to read one of my toast poems, and today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter, and I draw an original Daily Doodle cartoon every day. So my music is the music on the podcast that you just heard, and you can see all my cartoons and get all the links at njloves, that's NJ like Norma Jean, loves.com. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, share the episodes you like, and write us a review. It really helps other people find the show. And here we go. little humans. I'm here today with Rachel Ellery. Hi, Rachel. Hello. So Rachel is an anatomy educator, body worker, sports therapist, and osteopath. You've been doing osteopathy for what? Eons, 18 years. Yep. You've been working with bodies for 25 years. Yep. Pulling and pushing. (laughs) Pulling and pushing. Exactly. Um, and you're also an expat. You live here in, in Bali as well. Um, so it's one of those things where bodies are so interesting. And very individual, all so unique in their own form. Mm. And every day the body continues to amaze me with uh, the people that I see, the people I educate, and the people that I have been touching over 25 years. Um, amazes me to feel the, the history of their life wrapped up in their bodies. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's so interesting because I've heard a couple of people, um, especially come on the show, and they've mentioned human variation. Yeah. So, because you're saying everybody is unique, right? Because we all have, you know, like knees and we all have muscles attached to them and all that. But there is, there is our experience as human beings and our, whether it's trauma or whether it's good things that happen or whether it's, you know, how much we've developed those muscles, you can see it on the body, right? Yeah, definitely. See it, which is the first port of call is observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So important just to, just to watch how people move, how people sit, whether it's a protection over their heart because of heart trauma, whether it's a limp because they've got a dodgy knee or whether they've uh, had a previous injury that may be still retained within their bodies. Mm. So yeah, everyone really is so individual, even coming from different countries, people have different ways they hold themselves, different ways of interacting with the world. So yeah, it's it, it continues to interest me and amaze me often. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting because in Ubud, especially where we are now, we're coming at you live from my garden here in Ubud. I'm sure you can hear the cicadas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, in yoga and a lot of that conscious movement, you get a lot of people that, you know, you see things where and you're more connected to how things work with each other. Yeah, definitely. I've just started educating here in Bali over the last three years. Liz Leventhal, yoga teacher, heard that I uh, taught anatomy back in New Zealand to Mm -hmm. the up-and-coming osteopaths in New Zealand Mm -hmm. for, crikey, uh, about 12 years. Mm. And um, he got me on board and asked me to to put together a 15-hour anatomy program. And it's it's interesting, you you speak about conscious movement. Mm. I, th- I use the ex- I use the analogy of driving a car. When we first learned to drive a car, 
we had so many things to think about, indication and mirror signal maneuver. Oh, yeah. I was a bad I, – I, I failed my driving test like four times. <laughs> I passed the fifth time I did. It was like my last chance. Yeah. No, it's right. It's like you're trying to – Yeah. Yeah. But now – You have to look in the rear view and then keep your 10 and 2 on your head. Yeah. Yeah. And then so many years have gone by and at times you can then drive to your mate's house and not actually remember how you got there. Yeah. So – Consciously, yes, when we first start to do something, we set up neurological patterns. Mm. And then once those neurological patterns have set up, we can get very complacent with what we're doing. So within the yoga world, I'm seeing a lot of complacency. I'm seeing a lot of, oh, here we go, the 1,856 downward dog, not really being conscious of how they're moving, but they're coming to a class and they're doing it. And the consciousness, which is so important behind doing a class engages different tissues, different neurological information to really get an understanding of whereabouts your body is in space. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. So it's so funny because, you know, once we learn something, we feel like, okay, well, I've got this, right? But when you're talking about in terms of specific body movements, whether it's yoga, whether it's running, any kind of physical thing, every time you do it, you're different, right? Your body's in a different place, whether, you know, your, your muscles are tight, you just woke up, or whether, you know, you've been sitting on the couch for two weeks, eating potato chips, whatever it is, you're you're a different person. Your muscles are different every time. Or you may be in a situation that you don't know that you're doing it incorrectly. So ah, you then okay. continue to repeat that same pattern incorrectly because you don't know that you're doing it correctly. Right. So hopefully you're going to have a teacher that knows about alignment, knows about the, the anatomical correctness and will adjust you accordingly, which is quite challenging when you're seeing classes of maybe up to 80 people in the class. Yeah, there's some yoga classes that are really big. Even, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and any kind of like movement fitness classes that, you know, if it gets to the point where you're following some someone, you know, the sky's the limit. Mm. So it can become a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, I really do encourage getting one-to-one with people that really are aware of the body Get to know your body even more so, so you can then go out, join a class, mm. know and embody all of those things that may be challenging for you, so you can apply that to a class as you go through to know what works for you. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm. So back to, to where we started at the very beginning. I'm American, um, and some of our listeners are as well. So in America, we don't really have osteopaths, right? Uh, you have osteopaths, but in a very, uh, they have a different education. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, it, it, it's a different skill set, right? I think there's osteopathic medicine, which is more like a conventional doctor. But we don't, when I moved abroad for the first time to Australia, I had a, I made a friend who was an osteopath and she, you know, she's getting all up into your body and she's doing adjustments and moving. And, and I think in the States, we don't really have the equivalent. Hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what that means to be an osteopath and, and what, and what the education behind it is in terms of like everything you have to learn? in terms of anatomy? Yeah, um, my education was in the UK, which was a four-year Bachelor of Science degree. And you're British. British. You're a Brit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Brit, I'm a POM, um, of which after having graduated there for four years, I then went to New Zealand. And the degree in New Zealand is five years. Okay. I believe it's the same in Melbourne and in other schools in Australia. It's a five-year course. Okay. You do a three-year bachelor, mm-hmm. and then it's a two-year master's. Okay. 
of which, crikey, there, there are so many different branches within or under the umbrella of osteopathy with mm. learning about anatomy, physiology, even immunology, okay. physiology, the in-depth workings of how our body functions. Okay. So, I mean, one of the philosophies of Andrew Taylor Still, who was American and where osteopathy came from. Ah, okay. Yeah, he really was in the interest of structure governs function. Okay. So as osteopaths, we learn about our structure, and therefore if we can look at the structure, we can understand how it functions. It's also reciprocal. If we can see how our body's functioning, then we've got an idea of the structure, or maybe if there's dysfunction, then we can see that where there's a possible structural problem. Ah, okay. So yeah. it, it goes both ways. So if someone is like slouching, yes. you can tell that there's like a functional problem because their structure is a bit off. Yeah. Or if someone, yeah, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It's a really, really good philosophy to share, even within yoga, Pilates, within life. And you can see that structure governs function in so many different things, whether it's cars, motorbikes, uh, how a bee makes their honey, um, how different wind instruments create different sounds according mm-hmm. to their structure. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big subject how things go wrong, the pathologies, and mm. then we, we learn to touch and we learn to palpate and we learn to feel the body. Mm. We learn a little bit about psychology, psychology. I've certainly gone down the road of psychology a little bit more and how that can be, yeah, manifested and held within the body mm. certain symptoms, you know. Do you have the world, the weight of the world on your shoulders with shoulder aches and pains? Yeah. Is there problems going life, going forwards in life with knee, foot problems, for example? Yeah. Money problems with lower back, support, etc., with lower back problems. Not that it's hard and fast like that, but yeah. I certainly will bring in those questions to challenge people and get people thinking rather than just being pulled and pushed and just allowing someone else to take the treatment. Right. So it's a little bit more holistic rather than I have this injury. This is the pill that will fix everything. There's an emotional component to it. That's definitely how I work. And I know a lot of other osteopaths do. Mm. Yeah. There's other osteopaths that maybe work quite chiropractically, quite quickly, quite fast, quite maybe manipulative Mm -hmm. within the bony sense. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, so I think, Every osteopath works so differently. Every chiropractor works so differently. We're all very unique in what we do and how we do it. We have many tools in our bag. Yeah. And it's, you know, what am I going to pick out today? What tools am I going to pick out? Okay, cool. So it's everything from someone coming to you when they're well wanting to improve or someone coming to you when they really have an injury and they're like, I can't get out of bed. I've done my back end. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got your acute injuries, uh, somebody that may have fallen over, injured a knee, back falling over on a concrete slippery floor here in Ubud. <laughs> you may have somebody that's got a chronic long-standing injury. Right. You might have Mr. I'm a uh, digital nomad that wants to just get my body tuned in because I sit at the computer a lot. Right. And yeah, for those of you at home, it. you know, it's interesting because when you stop the, you know, the nine to five, if you're working nine to five, right, when you stop, you realize like, okay, I do this thing, you know, like my hips are tight because I sit all the time or my shoulders are hunched because I'm leaning over the computer mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it's, it's really important to acknowledge that because I think there's also an emotional component once the physical happens right whether it's from repetitive movement or whatever it is there's also an emotional side to that yeah I agree yeah because that can affect your emotions of how you're sitting yeah of of an, an emotional anatomy 
right. of you know, as you say, sitting forward. I I call I kind of call it the twenty first century archetypal posture. <laughs> if, if we look at the archetypal postures here in Bali, what yeah. are they doing a lot? They're squatting. They they sit in a deep squat so so easily. Yeah. You ask a Westerner to sit and oh squat, yeah, no, that's not happening. You know, for me. No. <laughs> you're all toppling over and can't cope with it. Our calves are too short. Our hip flexors are so short. So yeah, you know, there's 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 promotions of doing yoga at the office and yoga at sitting on on your chairs, Pilates, so many different movement advice that is is so so worth taking. Yeah, for the health of your brain, for the health of your psyche, for the health, therefore that you go back to the family with. You yeah, know, it's, yeah, it can be quite a vicious circle for many people. Yeah, and I think a lot of people maybe don't recognize that there the not only is there a physical component to movement, but also that it really is a driver for a lot of people, right? Like when you exercise, everyone knows, you know, when you exercise, endorphins kick in and you feel better, but there's certain movements you can do to feel better in certain ways. Mm, yeah. Lots. I mean, the movement coming way, way back into, into the breath, the breath of life, which is mm. so important. There's so many breathing dysfunctions that are happening at the moment because we are getting tighten through the chest we are slouched we're slumped we're not allowing our diaphragm to work properly which is our which is our one of our pumps in our body other than the heart our diaphragm works as a pump it helps to move blood around the place it helps to aerate and oxygenate our 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 blood and we're not breathing properly yeah and we're very much in a state of flight and fright our sympathetic nervous system of being on this high alert yeah which again our adrenals get worn out and yeah, yeah. so it's it's an interesting world that we're now choosing to live in yeah it's it's very interesting cuz for a lot of times you know if i'm in the past i've had corporate jobs and and i have to remind myself okay my hips are tight because my like my nervous system thinks that I'm being chased by a bear, but really I just have a work deadline. <laughs> like, But yeah. it's the same response in your body. Yeah. It's the same fight or flight. That's right. On the go, on the go, on the go. And how do we tap in to our opposite of the flight and fright, which is our rest and digest, our parasympathetic nervous system. And the breath is the first port of call to get us into that place of doing conscious, long abdominal diaphragmatic breathing and it's so so important and it's that as we come back to that 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 consciousness Mm. that understanding of we need to take time out and we need to check into ourselves of where we are in life yeah rather being on the go on the go on the go waking up with the coffee going to bed with the wine you know it it stimulates stimulates our sympathetic nervous system and it puts us straight into that fight, fight and fight. Yeah, as yeah. You, as you have a drink of your coffee. <laughs> as I have a coffee. I did wake up this morning and go for a hike first, though. Um, so talk a little bit about the parasympathetic nervous system. So for a lot of people out there, what is that? The parasympathetic nervous system, I guess you could say, works in the opposite to the sympathetic adrenal system. And the parasympathetic nervous system is when we're working, our body's working more within the optimum level of being able to digest food properly, of being able to uh, restore our bodies, to be able to be in a, a, a relaxed state. Often if I have, uh, when I'm treating patients and I come to the end of a treatment, the patients' tummies might start to rumble and they get a little bit embarrassed, but it's like, this is great because your digestion is is starting to really, really work 
so there's there's numerous eating problems, dietary concerns, irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome, which is labelled. And you know, what do you mean? There's some air quotes happening here. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, I mean the syndrome. Syndrome is a collection of symptoms, and it's not necessarily a diagnosis of what the irritable bowel syndrome is from and why it is there. Right. So it's talking about the effects, not the cause of it. Yeah, and it may be that someone has a breathing disorder and is not breathing particularly well or it may be that someone is allergic or intolerant to lactose or wheat or whatever it might be right or they're not drinking enough water or whatever it is yeah or they're in that flight and fright that their abdominals and their not their abdominals their intestines don't get that uh, opportunity to work to their maximum therefore the digestion we're not necessarily we are what we eat we are what we digest what is getting absorbed in the gut? Is it going straight through because we are we're on on the go all the time? We're right. not allowing our bodies to function. We're not even conscious when we eat. Yeah, yeah, wild. So you were you're from England originally? Yes. You were living there for a while. You grew up there. Born and bred in the UK. Born had a bred. beautiful <laughs> upbringing in Surrey, and uh, did my. <clears throat> Oh, no, I left. I left when I was about 19 to Antigua and lived in the Caribbean for oh, three years. Oh, all right. Okay. And uh, <laughs> worked alongside a chiropractor and I was doing the uh, the massage sports therapy side of things and put chiropractic and massage together and the outcome was osteopathy. So I left the Caribbean and went back to the UK to study for four years. And then I saw a job on the notice board in 2000 when I was just coming up to my graduation and um, there was a job in New Zealand for an osteopath so Ah. off I I went with about 10% of 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 our year there was 10% of us that ended up in New Zealand really yeah which is quite a lot how many people were in your class uh, we had 90 that graduated in total okay so about nine nine ten people ended up in in NZ yeah wow yeah that's fantastic so you moved to New Zealand I've also lived in New Zealand as well it's lovely yeah oh it's it's like it's the lifestyle is kind of you know it's it's you know you still have a lot of the western things like there's a lot of nine-to-five jobs but there's also a lot more nature I think than other places yeah it's very outdoors. New Zealand's amazing. So you move to New Zealand and you get there and you're like, okay, world, I'm an osteopath. Bring it on. Here I am. (laughs) So I walked straight into a job, had a two-year work contract that ended up being, yeah, I ended up from being in in New Zealand two years to 13 years. Okay. Ended up becoming uh, an anatomy teacher halfway through the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2002, my first teaching was July the 22nd, 2002. I was so nervous. Ah, right. So you're coming up on an anniversary for that, right? What is that? 15 years? My sympathetic nervous system was so charged. I was sweating. (laughs) I had diarrhea. I was so nervous. Dry mouth. Shaking. Yeah. So yeah, halfway through the year, went in and taught and yeah, there it goes. Seven years later, was still the anatomy teacher and... And then it's kind of been refound and ignited again being here in Bali. Yeah, absolutely. So you were in NZ for 13 years. Yeah. So you pretty much like committed. You're like, okay, this is my life now, guys. Yep. And then you moved to Bali. I did with having uh, an interesting time in 2012 and having a sense of, I don't know, needing to be probably a little bit more international and wanting to be on more of an international scale. Because mm, New Zealand can be a little bit isolating because it's so sometimes, you know, when you, I, I've lived in New Zealand for about a year and you kind of feel sometimes like you're at the end of the world. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's nothing below you except Antarctica. <laughs> yeah. Yet it's only a day away 
to to the UK, which is what I ended up in my mind. You know, it doesn't actually take that long no. to to get there. But you are no. But I think in terms of well. in terms of industry, sometimes mm. or in terms of um, innovation, little, little bubble. Yeah, it can it can feel that way. But innovation, crikey, go Team New Zealand yeah. on the on the America's Cup. <laughs> oh yeah, they were great actually. Yeah. yeah, we just had the America's Cup. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. So yeah, New Zealand provided me with a lot of things. I through my uh, teaching and through my own education through osteopathy, I really got that understanding of pulling and pushing people. I could only do so much, and I felt that I needed to educate my patients in a way that they could get some exercise and some neuromuscular re-education. So I studied Pilates for a year cool, and uh, really integrated that into my work, which was just brilliant, absolutely hand-in-hand with each other, fantastic. So That's really cool. There was a lot of movement, education, and re-education for people. I can only pull and push people for so long if they're not doing some work themselves. Yeah. Then, yeah, sure, it's great bread and butter for me, but it's not getting my patient better, which is my aim. Right. It's not empowering them to have a sustainable change in their life. Correct. Okay, cool. So talk a little bit about Pilates because from I have a limited knowledge of Pilates. From what I know, it was invented by this guy named Joseph Pilates – and it's all—it's really core based, right? You're getting into the into your core a lot. Yeah, Joseph Humperdinck Pilates. <laughs> which has his middle name? Yeah, Humperdinck. Humperdinck. Okay, good old Humperdinck. Yeah, yeah. Um, This—he uh, was around the time that osteopathy evolved in the early 1900s, which okay. is kind of interesting. Yeah. And uh, he used a variety of different machines that evolved from a bed. And using the springs off the bed mm. to assist people within their rehabilitation. Okay. If you don't have a muscle or you don't have, say, a core that works well enough mm-hmm. and you can't do a, a controlled movement in relation to the abdominal movements yeah. and contractions, then you can utilize springs to assist you okay. with movements. Kind of like jumping on your own versus jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, it gives you that that extra power to to go higher and and gives you the assistance. Mm. So there's the springs can use can be used as a, a resistance. If you pull a spring apart, there's a resistance, mm-hmm. and the recoil of the spring gives you the assistance. Okay. So there's a there's a combination. There's mat work, and there's a variety of different machines that you can use from a rehabilitation point of view. There's a lot to do with alignment, um, alignment of the head, neck, and the shoulders. The okay. shoulder girdle is really really important. Um, the the axial elongation, sitting up nice and tall rather than being slumped, right. allowing the small little intrinsic muscles of the spine to fire up. Okay. Um, yes, your whole core cylinder of strength really really important to help support your back. Yeah. And then you have your lower extremity alignment, which is also very important for foot problems, knee problems, hip problems, or maybe not a problem that may be potential to mm. become a problem. Bunions knees hips okay yeah Yeah, it's interesting because for a lot of people especially me like i've had hip stuff in the past and i i've gone to see people and they're like no it's because your feet (laughs) okay yeah so it's working from the ground up yeah it's interesting how things are connected and a lot Mm. of the time people don't feel like you know you're not told that they are you're just told like okay we'll do some hip stretches or take this muscle relaxer or Mm. whatever it's interesting to see how everything's connected yeah yeah and the education that people can then start to understand in their minds, ah, mm. oh, I get it. And that, getting it, 
also gives us the ability to heal, I think, mm. understanding what's going on, being in control, understanding what's happening to your own body. Because at times, yeah, it's like, oh, just take a couple of pills, off you go, see you later. Mm. It's not actually getting to the root of the problem. Yes, it may help, but it's not going to get to the root of misalignment, problems in walking, problems in your job, sitting down, problems in your sport, repetitive occupational posture problems. So, mm. many, so many variety of different things that can affect your body. Yeah. Even internal health with diet. Yeah. Breathing, breathing problems. So there's, yeah, that holistic word comes back up. Okay. And yeah. everything is a, it seems like everything is a factor, right? Like it's not like, oh, one thing happened to me and this is the result. It's, this is the result because of my entire environment. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when a person walks through my door for a session, I'm like, why are you here? today to see me and how many influences have you had in your life so the history Mm. is really really important for me to sit down and talk to that person of what's gone on in their life what injuries they've had what emotional trauma they've had what abdominal problems they've had surgery accidents broken bones sprains strains some people have got a big list some people have a really short list. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, my, my length of appointments have increased due to getting more information from people. Okay. And certainly here in Ubud, people are seeking, are finding, are, are on their journey. Their yeah, it's a big, it's a big transient journey. how yeah. people come in. Yeah. I think we talked about this in a previous episode, the Eat, Pray, Love thing. You know, people come here and they're, and they're looking for something, but it's usually within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Some understanding. Mm. Awesome, you know, time out for themselves. Yeah. A lot of people going through job changes, life changes, because it's like, what what quality of life do we really want? Mm. Or what quality of life are we living that we don't really... It's not serving us. No. Yeah. And we're not really conscious that we're working our backsides off. For yeah. what? Yeah. What's, what's happening to this world? Right. We're all being conditioned to... Work, work, work so hard right. and to have what are you getting from children, it? Exactly. to have a mortgage, to, you know, and the digital nomads that are wandering around the world with their computers having an amazing time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the world, the world is changing and, and I think we get very wrapped up in our heads at times. I think we can be our own worst enemies. Yeah, from yeah, that, yeah. From that point of view. Absolutely. And it's yeah. so interesting because a lot of the time when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we're unhappy in our life or not following our life path, I guess... Even if we convince ourselves that we are, our body knows better. Yeah. If we know what our life path is, which is a huge struggle for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What should I be doing? Oh, no, I shouldn't be doing that. Oh, and if I do this, I might fail. And so, (laughs) so many little stories for people that, well, big stories actually that that go on in people's minds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The stories we tell ourselves, and and it's, it's great because you can always change the story. Yeah, or maybe the story's a load of crap. <laughs> maybe the story's a load of crap. Rewrite that thing. That's right. Rewrite it. Re reprogram. Like we can reprogram muscles with mm. with Pilates, with osteopathy, with yoga. We mm. can we can remap our psychological thoughts. Yeah, which can have a huge effect on our health. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you learn new postures, right, or when you learn a new exercise. You, you you mentioned earlier that it gets programmed into your brain, right? Yeah. So the emotional state that you're in when you're learning that, is that a factor? Yeah. Yeah, I do believe that it is. 
I remember treating one lady, I was actually in a Pilates session with her and she had a particularly tight hamstring and we went in to go and do a, a stretch on the reformer on the Pilates machine and she just broke down in tears mm. and it brought back up uh, an injury, brought, brought back up the memory of an injury that she had had quite a long time prior to this situation mm. and um, this was just life-changing for her. She had tears, she realised that when she had this accident, she had split up with her partner and she'd moved away from the place that she loved and she'd been on this other journey for so many years. And from that point, after having stretched her hamstring and that emotion came back up, she wrapped up her life back up in Auckland, went back to where she came from and life continued back of she like moved, she, she moved countries to change her whole life because of this hamstring she moved that hamstring she brought up that emotional trauma that was still embedded in her hamstring wow amazing that's so interesting you know i've talked to some people about um how we store emotions in the body i don't yeah. think we've talked about it on the podcast but especially because you're hands-on working with people's bodies and you're not quite doing massage like you're getting up in there Getting in. You're just like uh, like up up in there, right? Like yeah. you're moving tissue and, you know, you're getting into joints and all that kind of stuff. What are some common emotions that people hold in the body and, and how do you move through that? Good question. It's a, it's, a, <laughs> it's a big question because depending on your emotional intelligence, mm. I feel, of I will ask people questions in relation to how does this feel for you? Oh, yeah, okay. Mm, okay, well, that's not really an emotion. Some people find it hard to check in with how does it feel. Mm. Where a lady that I saw yesterday, she was really, really mindful of her abdominal aches and pains that stem around a lot of fear and not being successful and letting her mum and dad down if she doesn't succeed in things. Right. So she was very aware of her emotions of how she was embodying them, which was not good in relation to her abdominal symptoms that she was getting. Other people, you can you can work on an area that has been in dysfunction for quite a long time and the emotion and the elation of understanding of what's been going on is mm. and can be huge for people. Yeah. I treated a lady, another example, who had only just found out a couple of years prior that she was in double nappies because she had a hip problem when she was born, uh, congenital hip dysplasia when she was born. Oh, right. And she is had that a, where your hips are not connected in? Not a very deep socket and a little bit of a problem there deep within the socket. Oh, right. Okay. So she was in these double, uh, double nappies and was going through a <laughs> yoga training and... I was working with We've got her. got a barking dog here, sorry. That's all right. She's being a good girl. <laughs> she is. On guard. She is. There's a farmer here with Duck. She's doing her job. So this lady, she had a lot of, uh, it seemed, emotion wrapped up in her pelvis because she hadn't moved her pelvis properly from ages zero to one because she was in these double nappies. So she hadn't gone through the crawling process when she should have. Her first chakra down within her pelvis area hadn't really evolved and matured correctly. Okay. And we've talked about this earlier in the show. Chakras are energy centers within the body, right? Yeah. And the first chakra, what emotions are attached to that? It's not a lot to do with your base chakra of rooting, of feeling grounded, of feeling Feeling like home, you belong. Feeling of belonging. Okay. Yeah. And she 
had a life where she'd been really up and going, on the go, here, there, and everywhere, and said, I just have this feeling that I can't ground myself and that I don't have a home. Mm. So we ended up doing some craniosacral uh, osteopathy, which is a lot more of a gentler um, way of treatment. Yeah. From my understanding, craniosacral is where you move the fluid through the spine, correct? Well, the fluid's moving anyway within the spine. The cerebral spinal fluid has this wave-like formation that is continuously nourishing the spinal cord, the nerves, and a lot of shock can get withheld within our neurological system and within the membranes that surround our nervous system. And um, she had definitely a sense of her sacrum and her mechanism being quite stuck. Mm. And we really found this connection with her that she was just like, oh my goodness, this has gone right, 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 right back for me from mm. these early, early years of this sense of being ungrounded. and. She just put all of these, all the pennies, all these pennies dropped for her. And she just had this huge emotional release, which yeah. was just fantastic. Yeah. Huge emotional release. And yeah. she really realized that from way, way back when she wasn't really allowed to move because of her hip, she got that sense of, wow, there's some seriously long-standing trauma that has manifested and, and continued to stay stuck in the body Mm. yeah it's so interesting because I think our bodies are also the physical manifestation right of who we are right so when things happen to us that are emotional what I mean physical things yes absolutely like you know you break your arm or you know you you get a cut you're gonna have a scar but also there's emotional repercussions that are held in the body as well yeah but that we can move forward and let go of them yeah, if we choose to look at them and we get them worked on and we go through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is really challenging for some people to go there. Oh, I think it's, you know, I think, conf- uh, you know, any situation where you're confronting yourself. Yeah. Is all, there's always, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, breakdowns. Causing breakthroughs. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're all our own best friend and our own worst enemy in a yeah. lot of ways. Yep, yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. I agree. Well, we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to hear about what Rachel's up to next and some tips for how to get more in your body. Woo! Woo! Today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer-songwriter. I draw an original daily doodle cartoon every day. And you can see the shirts of my cartoons and get all the links to my music and more on my website at njloves.com. That's njlikenormajeanloves.com. If you're loving the podcast, if you're getting wild with Stay Wild, please subscribe to the show, share the episodes that resonate with you, and write us a review. It really helps other people find the show. If you are interested in helping support us um, or are interested in hitting up our audience, because we have pretty, I mean, people are getting into the wild, wild life, please hit us up at hello at staywildpodcast.com. And back to the show. All right, we're back with Rachel Ellery, anatomy educator, body work, body worker, sports therapist, osteopath. Hi, Rachel. Howdy. <laughs> so during the break, we were we were having a bit of a chat because Rachel's had all this amazing experience, you know, in terms of academically in the West, right? Getting into the anatomy, getting into what everything is and how we store things. But then after moving to Asia, 
you've done some cool things. <laughs> yeah, there's um, life has kind of evolved in more of a Eastern uh, philosophy hands-on way, I guess, with um, doing a variety of different courses in relation to Thai body work. Mm. That I haven't quite managed to take my osteopathy to the floor, but I am considering of getting rid of my treatment couch and treating people on the floor rather than on the bed. A bed like meaning like a couch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a doctor table kind of a thing. Like we're padded, yeah. it's up high. Hold, hold, hold to put your face down. Like a massage table. Yeah. Like a fancy. It. That's the one. Like a fancy doctor massage table. That's your one. <laughs> So, yeah, I've been uh, one to being able to have some treatment myself through Mm. these periods of time Mm. and uh, look after myself, which has really become a lot more of an important part of my life that I need to find that balance and try and keep that balance because I can easily get out of that balance. Yes, we are all about the self-care. Self-care is the jam. The jam. The jam. What do you do for self-care? Real quick. Um, I vary mm-hmm. my self-care. Uh, at the moment, I'm getting some fantastic body work done with uh, a variety of different people, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I did some somatics. I did a course in somatics a couple of weeks ago. So What's somatics? Somatics is uh, an education that was brought about by a guy called Thomas Hanna, that is a branch from Feldenkrais. Okay. So very small, subtle movements, which doesn't... You don't need a huge amount of effort to do it. Okay, so like anyone could do it, one of those yeah. things. Like even if you can't like go on a long walk, go on a hike, these are little things that you can do to move the energy in your body to get you more in alignment. Yeah, fire up different muscle chains. It, yeah, it was brilliant. So I did that for a day, felt really good. So I've incorporated some of that into... Myself practice. I endeavor to go for a walk through the rice fields. Mm. I might go to a yoga class. I might go to a dance and move my body. Mm. Swim in my pool. Do some different courses, different retreats. So it varies. It yeah. really varies. And yeah. then sometimes I really don't do much, which is where it all goes wrong. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I right. must do this. I must do that. I must keep going. And it reminds me. Yeah. That with the amount of people that I'm treating and helping and giving to, mm. then I need to return that to myself and yeah. be a receiver opposed to a giver all the time. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because a lot of the time for things that we're expert at, we don't give them to ourselves. That's right. A plumber's tap is always dripping. Ooh, a plumber's tap. I thought it was the cobbler <laughs> with the shoes thing, but yeah. That too. That too. <laughs> An osteopath body often hurts so yeah having another osteopath around is just always very helpful yeah 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 Yeah. absolutely so you've kind of been on this like self-care you've been really in that space and when you came to asia you got really into checking out and kind of scoping out the scene of other modalities other modalities getting into a little bit more of the yoga world understanding Mm -hmm. that certainly with teaching on yoga teacher trainings Mm -hmm. which Started in 2014 with two yoga teacher trainings a year. Yeah, because you teach on quite a few yoga teacher trainings. Yeah, and now three years later, I've got 16 this year. Okay, wow. So it's kind of like (laughs) exploded, which is really, really good. And that's now, I guess, where my life is evolving and and, and opening Hmm. into with um, more education from a teaching point of view. So... I'm starting to rebrand myself and actually get out there into the international world and get Mm. a website up and going and create an anatomy school and Mm. educate 
hopefully around the world, which is what I'd like to do. I'd like to do some more yoga teacher trainings. Um, I'm teaching with a, another fellow osteopath. We're going to do some an eight-day anatomy course over cool. in Laos in uh, January. Okay. And also... Is that like for body workers or just for humans? Anybody that has a little bit of experience in relation to anatomy movement of themselves. Yeah, cool. So it's uh, the, the name of the course is Thai Yoga Functional Anatomy. Thai Yoga Functional Anatomy. So from there, you have done a little bit in the Thai massage space. Yeah, I started uh, here in uh, Bali with uh, Wu Tai, which is a, a French osteopath that's combined many modalities together. And mm-hmm. he uh, has got six different courses. Okay. Um, what is, like, if you were going to sum up Wu Tai in a nutshell, what is Wu Tai? Wu Tai, wow, you're getting entangled with uh, two bodies that one is treating the other, and you are stretching you are lengthening you are twisting you are mobilizing you are creating a circular movement when you have your person that you're working with in position you create these circular movements to help small movements manifest and pump and create more movement through the body oh it's an osteo dance. He calls it a dance. Okay, so it's kind of like you're doing adjustments and, and movements on the body, but you're doing it in a fluid motion. Fluid motion on the floor, and yeah, he has six courses. It's a huge variety of different work from an osteopathic perspective and a Thai body massage. It, it's a step up from your, or it's, it's a step to the side. It's yeah. under the same kind of. It's a lateral. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so Wu Tai is more like osteo meets movement. So you're moving while you're treating, right? You're doing like treating movements. Yeah, osteo movement and Thai massage. Okay. That's kind of like the meeting there, yeah. as well as the Thai circus that I did in Laos, which happens every year in February. Back, back that up. Thai circus. <laughs> the, the, the Thai. Yeah, the Thai circus that's uh, in Luang Prabang. Okay. And uh, there's a... That's in Lao, right? Yeah. Yeah, Luang Prabang is like a big... It's kind of like a, a holistic place as well. I think a couple... I know some people who've traveled there, they said it's got it's got a good feel. It's a pretty cool, relaxed feel. And mm. a colleague of mine has some um, land up there that mm-hmm. every year for the last 10 years, he has done the Thai circus which uh, there were 44 of us that, that all stayed on this very beautiful, remote piece of land up in Laos, very close to a stunning waterfall, the most beautiful waterfall I've ever seen. And you can go there and do a month of Thai massage and yoga and oh, vegetarian food and walking. And, yeah, it was great. Cool. It was fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so for those of you at home who aren't familiar with Thai massage – Explain a little bit about Thai massage because it is like my favorite kind of massage. Yeah. It's like the best. So I guess with a Thai massage, there is um, you're, you're working with your patient on the floor. Mm-hmm. You're very much in tune and in tune with the universe, in tune with yourself, in tune with your patient. And it's a full body treatment. It's a a treatment where you're working with energetic lines, mm-hmm. maybe even the the Chinese meridians, mm-hmm. 
they call them the inner and the outer lines. Mm-hmm. There's three three inner and three outer lines. Right, and the meridians in, in Chinese medicine, so they're like energetic lines through the body that connect different organs, right? So you have like... Twelve, 12 yeah, different meridians within the body um, that are paired. Okay. So you're working these meridians in relation to the energetic body. So mm. it's related more around the energetic body, not so much around the anatomical western scientific world of the form you're okay. working it in quite a different way yeah okay so many thai practitioners that i've spoken to they are not really up on their anatomical understanding right because for them it's more about this is how this connects to this with the energy of the whole body with more of the energy and it's not system, like this yeah. is the name of this muscle and how it moves no <laughs> okay so the intention behind what's given is different from an energetic point of view, yet muscles are getting lengthened, joints are getting mobilized. Yeah. Which I would love to see a crossover. Mm. And that's what we're trying, that's what we're putting out there within this eight day anatomy course. That okay, We're cool. going to be teaching in Luang Prabang, January 2018, and also in Bali at the Dragonfly in March 2018. Ah, I saw that actually. Dragonfly is a really amazing center here in Bali. They have a sauna and a, they do retreats. It's it's a really beautiful yeah. space. So, I mean, for me, I think Thai massages, I, I kind of like to think of it as lazy yoga, <laughs> right? Like you're stretching a lot of things out. There's movement, but also like you don't have to be in the driver's seat. No, you don't. It's like the tandem skydive of yoga. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, and the person that's giving is doing a really full-on yoga workout with moving people's bodies around. Okay. So it's, 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 it's great. It's lovely. I love my time of doing it. And I had a session yesterday, which mm. was really nice to, to be moved in a different way that I move people. And yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it. Mm. And I look forward to going back to the Thai massage circus uh in february again the thai massage circus oh my gosh <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun circus in relation to being in a circle oh it's, not circus like no 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 ah okay that makes yeah. so much more sense now i'm like okay this is stay wild like anything's up for grabs but cool so it's so interesting because you've gone from this really traditional background and you moved into this eastern background right so you've kind of had this like west meets east thing and you've gone from working more you know in a clinic in a western country i don't know if you were a dr white coat maybe you did to you know coming in and doing anatomy education in the yoga world yeah so what is that bridge like um i, th- I mean i'm an educator within my work i'm very much enjoy sharing with people what I think and what I see is going on within their bodies from a one-to-one individual point of view. Mm. And the the anatomy and the education has increased and uh, that whole scope of practice with what I want to share and make people more aware of themselves is just, is my aim really. Yeah. Start to help teachers teach other people to become more aware of their alignment of their selves and i i with 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 this new branding that i'm doing i with the anatomy school mm-hmm. i'm wanting to hopefully at some stage create a online course for children that are being homeschooled mm. and get a an exciting interactive kind of course that kids can do from the age of I don't know six seven or something that they can sit there with some plasticine and start to learn about the lungs and the trachea and just start to learn some different names and 
what the respiratory system is about, just yeah. a few little tips. And then as well as educating adults in relation to movement and anatomy. So mm. it's, who knows where it's going to go. It's a big umbrella. I feel like I've got big boots to fill, but it's 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 the beginning of it. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm, it's teaching, exciting. I'm teaching already and I'm going to create a school and I'd like other teachers to come on board mm. with me and to, to go around the world teaching awareness about our bodies. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because it's one of those few things, you know, like we've had a couple of people on the show that have expertise in different areas, but like everybody has a body, yeah. right? But like, we are not taught like how things are supposed to work in conjunction with other things, you know, how to, you know, how to be in our body a lot of the time and yeah. we forget. Yeah. And we take it for granted. Yeah. We yeah. definitely take it for granted. Cause we're so in our heads. Yeah. We're like, let me just watch this Netflix. I don't need to move my body. Yeah. 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 Let's sit on the couch and <laughs> watch another episode of Coronation Street. That's a show. Is that a British show or Australian? Sorry, yeah, it's a British show. Okay, Coronation yeah. Street is kind of like Corn. um is it is it like a it's like a soap opera kind of? Yeah, EastEnders kind of been going on for years. Yeah. And years, and years and yeah, years. it's like the Grey's Anatomy, I'd say. Oh, well, that's really exciting. I'm yeah. getting excited oh. about that of course. <laughs> Cuz that's an anatomy <laughs> show. Never mind, never mind. Cool. Well, Rachel, do you have any tips for people that are at home and that are just, you know, tips for kind of how to get more in your body? Um, or in terms of posture, in terms of if you're sitting for long periods of time or for sitting for long periods of time, I would, for one, I think a great tip, whether you're on an airplane, whether you're sitting down in front of the computer is to move your ankles, to tap your toes in that our, our calves are known as our second heart and our calves have the ability to be able to pump blood back up to our heart with gravity in life. Blood can start to pull in our calves, and we don't want to get the old DVTs, the deep vein thrombosis. Yeah, no, I wear granny socks. I wear nana socks on airplanes. Got a nana socket for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, no, I mean, because, yeah. you know, when you live abroad, there's always long flights, whether you're traveling to see friends or you're going back, to, you know, to see your family, mm. you know, especially New Zealand to England. I'm all about those socks. Yeah. Those socks are my friend. But tapping, so your calves are meant to get blood back up your body yeah they've got an amazing intricate kind of blood system through them that if we tap our calves then the blood is going to help to come back up into our, our body and will help to keep the blood pumping a little bit more and keep the health going so i would certainly recommend a little bit of that whether it's on an airplane sitting down yeah and and tapping through the toes I would certainly be getting up every 45 minutes an hour and start to have a good good walk about. Doing a long walk with lunges in between is really good to help to open up through the front of the hips. Mm -hmm. Twists, twisting, the next bit as we slowly move up the body. Twisting is not not in our world quite so much anymore. We don't mm. throw the ball to the dog quite as much as we used to. We don't hunt for our meat anymore we don't twist we don't rotate as much as i think we should do mm. and if we can twist in our bodies then we twist our thoracic spine which is where our rib cage is okay. and that really helps to loosen up through the neck and also the lower back so twisting our ribs that also really helps with our breath and potentially can increase the capacity to breathe in more air so twisting is very very helpful and neck movements, keeping the neck moving to the left, to the right, even allowing the eyes to move around up and down when we move our necks, because our eyes also have six muscles within our eyes that help to move, and we are we very much use our head to move our eyes. We're not moving our eyes within our head. Oh. Yeah. So, for example, if you turn your head to the right, 
Then you keep looking to the right, keep your eyes looking to the right, and rotate your head to the left whilst your eyes are still looking to the right. That's really hard. It's harder than it seems. It is. And then... <laughs> so you're, you're looking to the left, but your eyes are still looking to the right. <laughs> that's right. And then you keep going. You can do that with looking up and down. So if you look up, you keep your eyes looking up in your skull. Keep looking up as you look down. <laughs> this is one of those patting your <laughs> top of your head, rubbing your stomach kind of things. Correct. But we don't challenge our eyes. You know, we're straining our eyes mm. in front of the computer. More people are wearing glasses. So if we can challenge our eyes, it gives us stimulation into lots of other little muscles within our head as well. So eye stimulation is really, really helpful. Wow. And as, as I, I think I said to you when I treated you before, I can't remember when it was. But... <laughs> we were at someone's house once and uh, I was talking to Rachel about posture. We were, we were having dinner and, I, and Rachel had the best advice. <laughs> so using your nipples as your car, car lights, if you were to imagine that you had car lights on your nipples and we to have our lights on a, a dim, our lights are going to be facing down. If we have our headlights up and we have them on high beam lifting up those headlights we sit up a little bit more so so it's uh it's just a little bit of a fun and helpful tip to get a little bit of a posture of sitting tall within the body and imagining that i'm standing behind you lifting you up to the sky by your ears helps to elongate everything opposed to decompressing you're yeah. sitting up very nicely i know it's rachel's rachel has what is probably some of the best posture of anyone <laughs> I, of anyone i know really and so whenever whenever you're around someone it's so interesting because as humans we don't realize that we mirror the people around us physically mm. so when i'm around people with good posture my posture is better <laughs> yeah but no for years i've been i've been you know every time i catch myself slouching i'm reminded of what rachel said just turn on those headlights and i'm like okay here we go and she's up <laughs> oh good time so rachel awesome. we can find you at school of anatomy the school the anatomy school the anatomy school and that's com. Com, dot com okay so the anatomy school.com that's coming out really soon we'll have that in the show notes um so those are really great tips turn on the headlights pretend you're pulling the ears do the eye exercises yeah move the trunk do the long walk with lunges move the ankles to get the blood moving up the calves all right awesome awesome tips well thank you again for coming on the show thank you very much for having me see you bye bye All right, little humans, big thanks to Rachel Ellery for coming on the show. Today's toast poem is pretty unrelated. Um, it's just a love poem I wrote about not wanting someone to miss out on love. Here we go. If I don't get to love you, I still hope that you're loved. If I'm not the one to hold you, I hope that you're held. If I never kiss you, I hope that you're kissed. While I want these things for you, want to be the one who loves you. It's okay if it's not me, as long as you're loved. It would be a shame for you to miss out. All right, little humans, that's today's show. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rachel. And all of her links are going to be in the show notes. So if anything she said resonates you or if you want to find out more, check that out. And I hope you enjoyed today's toast poem. 
As mentioned, today's episode is brought to you by me, Norma Jean. I'm a singer, songwriter. My music is featured here on the podcast, and I draw an original Daily Doodle cartoon. You can see all my shenanigans and more with links on my website, njloves. That's njlikenormajeanloves.com. If you like the show, please subscribe, share the episodes that resonate with you, and write us a review. It really helps other people find the show. And until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.